You are listening to another episode of D Magic's podcast. Make notes here, but it just it wasn't it wasn't flowing, man. It wasn't flowing. <laughs> but um, ah right, yeah, Let, let's start. Let's start. With how are you doing? Let's start with how I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm alive. I'm well. <laughs> uh, I'm living and breathing. So uh, thankful and. Uh, grateful for that I'm, I'm i'm just waiting for the end of end of august when i go on leave so i can just rest and relax and just recuperate from well i say this crazy year but it's you know because <laughs> i work in academia it's, this is like the end of the year coming up to the end of the year for me so i'm, I'm looking forward to to that but for now <laughs> Happy to just be living and breathing, and and that's it. That's it. Yeah, you got you got to be grateful, man. I, I, I rate that. But um, what? Are, are, you, are you going abroad or staying here then? No, I'm staying here, but I'm doing nothing because uh, <laughs> I went to Spain to go visit my sister, and I went to Boston for a trip with with my with my university, which is a lot of fun, but like it was just very active so i'm just kind of looking forward to just Mm-mm-mm. sitting there. well once i finish my assignment i'm looking forward to sitting down and just sleeping and doing absolutely nothing that requires <laughs> energy or movement okay we're gonna get into all of that we're gonna get into all of that um the university trips yeah we're gonna what Actually, yeah. Let, let's start with an introduction. That just just tell them your name, um, what you do, what, what star sign you are. I guess. <laughs> do I even know what I'm star sign? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I can introduce myself. Um, my name is Tamara Reed. Um, I'm from South London, Craven specifically. I don't want to hear any madness coming at me about. Queen at its location. Um, <laughs> I, I work at Kingston University and I'm their inclusive curriculum consultant program lead. Um, and I lead a team of 18 student consultants. Um, and we go out and, and we work with staff to make the curriculum more inclusive, more diverse, whatever words you kind of want to, to put in there. So, uh, yeah, that's that's a pit stop. I think of me. I don't know if I've missed anything. No, that's quite comprehensive. Um, I think yeah, there's definitely some aspects I want to explore of that. But I want to, I want, I want to start from like beginning because, okay. Okay. like, 
um, early on in your life, it seems like kind of science was kind of your passion. Um, mm. So I guess from the A-levels you did and also the degree you did, um, yeah. the first degree you did. Yeah, so kind of wh- where did you get kind of get this p- passion for like sports science from? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, good question. Good question. No one ever talked to me about my, my science stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. I'd always been kind of into science. Like, that was my thing. Um, I did I did tri- triple science and maths at AS and then physics, biology and uh, maths at, at uh, A2. Um, but, yeah, previous to that, I, I just always loved science anyway. In, from high school but I guess what got me into sports science and why I wanted to do sports science as my degree is because I had to be honest I've been playing sports so I did when I was in high school in particular I played basketball um, netball and I did athletics um, and I just really loved that um, but in particular I just really loved the um just just the fact that you could like break down sport using science you know yeah. um and like biomechanics because i don't know if anyone remembers like if you remember the show um sports science like by espn with like john john brinkus he was like the host of it and he would just like get get um sports people in the lab and like test them yeah. um and it was just really exciting to me also that like you know um for example, even down to the clothing people wear, like how that was all engineered and designed um, to help people, you know, be the best they can. Like, for example, like um, swimmers, swimsuits are modelled after shark skin. So just like all this cool stuff. And I just found it so interesting. Um, mm. And so I really, instead of doing kind of this pure route, I, I thought um, the kind of sports, the applied sciences and maths in sport would be really exciting um, yeah. and really, really interesting. And because I played sport at the time um, and I did sport right up until university, I retired at uni from athletics. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's just kind of like how I got into to that really. Okay, okay. Yeah, no, I think I remember that program. Um it's a sick program. I don't I don't know if it was the same one. I remember there was like a segment on one program that like, talking about like the force behind the punch. Mm. Um and like why liver punches hurt so much. Yeah, I think it might have been the same program, but yeah. Um, is, is there any particular reason why you retired at uni with the sport? <laughs> uh, do you know what? Yeah. So um for those of you who don't know, like I used to be a hammer thrower, like county level. Hammer... I was no a hammer thrower, um, a county level hammer thrower, and I, at one point, I was number nineteen in the country for hammer, um, which is cool. It was a really, really awesome achievement. Um, and I was like, okay, cool. I'll keep doing it into uni, and then like obviously you go to uni, and there's just bare work to do. Mm. Um, and I think for me, as someone who's like very short, so I'm like five foot two, it was just it was just kind of I felt like I had kind of topped out, um, and I wasn't really like loving the sport anymore, um, and so I just kind of I kind of retired because it just it just didn't feel it didn't feel the same, 
Um, I did do do a couple guest features when I like came came home every now and again to like help (laughs) out my home home team. Um, But yeah, I just kind of made that decision. I just kind of wanted to focus on uni, and you know, I was like, I'm one of those people. If I if I'm not enjoying something, I'm probably just not gonna do it. Um, And that's just kind of ultimately kind of what happened. I kind of peaked, and I was like, Yeah, it's my time to bow out. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I feel, I feel like hammer throwers are quite tall, to be honest. Um, a hundred percent, they're quite, they're quite tall. I think people will be like, oh, they're like short and stuff. I'm like, no, like even watching the kind of the Olympics or the World yeah. Athletics Championships, like we're starting to move away from that really like bulky, slightly short person. Like the yeah. girls are really, really tall. Yeah, Valerie Orman's like six foot at least. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So I'm like, there's only so much I can do. <laughs> you calculate the physics, yeah, um, down at a kind of five foot two. So, yeah, yeah, it, it made sense as a kind of decision that I'm probably not going to the Olympics anytime soon. So it's all right. No, you're, you're better than me, though. I, I tried shot put. I didn't get past, like, ones of borough level. <laughs> but, That's pretty good. That's still yeah. all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um... Uh, let's, let's, let's go on to your degree, then. Mm. So, how, how, how did you find the degree in, in general, sport and exercise science? My degree? My degree in general or yeah. my experience of uni? Two, two separate things? Like... Um, I kind of... Yeah, I, I want to go into the experience after the, okay. the degree itself. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I. Well, <laughs> my de- my degree, like my degree, I I kind of enjoyed it. I think it was <sighs> like I learned a lot on the course. So I, you know, I loved learning about human physiology. I loved yeah. learning about kind of human biomechanics. Um. You know. Uh, all of those things I, I I really enjoyed it the learning I wouldn't say it was my favorite thing I think I got into the program and I just remember wanting to kind of drop out yeah. um in 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 kind of my first year just because I was just like I don't feel excited I don't I didn't feel excited by my course mm. um as much as you know we learned a lot of interesting things and I just, uh, I don't know. I, I feel like I did A-level physics and I really enjoyed learning, just learning at that point in life. And I got to uni and just didn't feel like I was loving learning anymore, which kind of made it really difficult over the course of my degree to be like, okay, like I really want to do this. Um, but I really enjoyed the subjects we learned, loved yeah. research methods. Um, you just learned a lot, doing a real interdisciplinary um programs so we do psychology biomechanics and exercise physiology and you just kind of know so much about kind of the human body the mind and and again yeah yeah those two things and it's surprising how much of that you can carry into um carry into your career I didn't expect to carry so be able to carry a lot of the information um from my degree in into work which has been really great I absolutely love placement placement was a lot of fun um I worked at a um I worked as an exercise physiologist um both a kind of sports one and a health one um for kind of helping normal people get back to health 
normal I say normal people but um and then working with like really elite athletes so we got to work with Feyenoord which is I think yeah yeah one of their really good football clubs um that was a lot of fun you know getting to see an Olympians we got to work with Olympians and just loads of really cool elite athletes and do all their exercise testing so you know when people have their like mask on and all the stickers and all the stuff on running on the treadmill we got to do that and it it was just a lot of fun and it's always great to see what humans could do but also kind of like how exercise can really transform people's lives and 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 make them fitter so I really enjoyed that um and I feel like I have a really good wealth of knowledge on stuff <laughs> lots of stuff um and then i get really annoyed every time i hear michael johnson going when the lactic acid starts building up in your legs and i'm like please that is a lie there's no it's not a thing it's not a thing so yeah that's how i found my my course it feels like a long time ago now you're here to dispel some myths. <laughs> some myths. I'm telling you, people, it's not the lactic acid. If your legs are tired, it's just not that, guys. I'm putting that one to bed because I'm tired of hearing it. Um, also, is, is, is it just fatigue then? It's just muscle fatigue. Potential. Well, scientists don't really particularly know. Yeah. So, depending on what you're doing, you're probably running a bit low on your energy stores. Um, and then obviously you've got all the byproducts from kind of respiration in your cells yeah. and those kind of interfere with how your muscle works. Um, so it's, it's more about that and they're not exactly pretty sure, but it's kind of more about that. And then mentally also kind of on the endurance, the long, long endurance side, um, you just kind of hit a wall mentally okay. and then your body kind of shuts down along along with that so yeah so all these different things but lactic acid <laughs> is not is not the thing <laughs> hey, yeah I, i've heard that one like floated around for so long like it's just like yes it's clearly not true <laughs> no no our um our because uh, obviously we learned that in a levels but our yeah. um our teacher was like Guys, I need to drill this into you that this lactic acid <laughs> thing is a myth. <laughs> it's a myth. If you put it in your paper, I will give you minus marks. <laughs> um, right, cool. <laughs> yeah, no, they, they, yeah, that that placement sound is quite fun. Um, but yeah, I kind I kind of wanted to cross over to what you're mm-hmm. doing now with, with regards to your course, like. Mm-hmm. In, in terms of inclusivity, how did you feel like the course was like? Do you feel like you know the kind of body types they covered were were inclusive, or was it kind of like the same kind of person you were analysing throughout the course? Yeah, really interesting. Um, yeah, yeah, pretty much. It wasn't. I think in retrospect, it was one of those things where at the time when I was learning, you know. I thought it was inclusive and then kind of looking back knowing what I know you know not so much when we talk about things in you know how our body works um most of the time we are talking about men mainly men because you know most of the studies are done in men so if we're talking about physiology in particular um they're all done in kind of white male college students Mm. and 
it's it's a real issue i just remember in our lesson one time you know our lecturer going like we tend not to do studies in women because their periods make things difficult um for us to measure and i was just like kind of reflecting back on that moment you're a bit like actually well if they cause that much interference then actually it's really important that for any kind of phenomena we're looking at that we understand what is going on in in you know in women's bodies um and the only time we did have a lesson i I think in particularly in physiology we had one lesson that was just dedicated to women um and how our period affects like our bone density and our performances um all of these things and I was like well this is actually such a shame and a big chunk of um information that we are potentially kind of missing out on um kind of within our knowledge base which I think is a real disservice to kind of women um, because we're probably not receiving the appropriate advice that we really need um, potentially with, within within sport. So I think that's my concern. Now, I mean, that's kind of like one example. And then kind of other things is just like who the cultural like standpoints. So like in psychology, we'll be talking about what um we'll be looking at changes in like body type or what people see as like the optimal optimal body and you know I remember sitting in one of my psychology lessons and you know my um my teacher going yeah and you know for most girls um most girls are trying to be like aiming for really to, to be really skinny or like size zero and I'm just like who like who like (laughs) as a black woman that's really like the opposite of you know what I'm trying to be you know and you know this is before BBL time so it was still that thing of like as a black woman actually you still want to be thick um and I was just like this is a very like sweeping statement to make um about about how women want to 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 look supposedly so it's just like things like that it was always kind of through this white european and particularly male um standpoint and their understanding was because it's because it's science um that's not really an issue Mm. Mm. but i i again like i don't fully agree you know with the women's thing i'm just like you know i don't agree with that you know men's bodies aren't universal so yeah 100 percent. yeah yeah no that's that's quite interesting um so like so when, when you say like the periods make things difficult do you mean like in terms of like the logistics of testing or like yeah because you know if you if you think you when you're doing a trial of a drug or um whatever you're doing the trial on let's go for a yeah. drug um you want to make sure there are v- as very few variables affecting yeah. your outcome and you know they just could not guarantee when oh, okay. that women like women's for example because our weight changes when we're on our period so yeah again you know, within this kind of small time periods that often um, these trials can take 
time like the time they can take place um you can't guarantee that it's the drug versus the woman's period and you know these are the and the hormones so if they're measuring hormones as well you know they or something that affects hormones they they would stay to them they said they wouldn't be able to tell which is uh, which is which and so that's why uh, for for the reduced stress really of trying to clear clarify that they tended to want to just use, mainly use men hmm. well so is there this is kind of a tangent but is, is there like a significant difference in the way like performance enhancing drugs affect like male bodies compared to female bodies from what you know from what i know i, I don't know a lot <laughs> i can't answer, <laughs> I can't answer that question from from what i remember it feels like such a long time ago can i answer yeah. that question no no i can't no i'm not even gonna try it's been, it's been it's been nearly four years since you done you done your degree so yeah <laughs> <laughs> and when i was done i was like i never want to see any of this again <laughs> Um, okay, right, cool. I think okay, we kind of covered the sports science bit quite um comprehensively, but what I'm interested in is like, I guess, well, I guess you said you learned a lot from your degree that you've been able to apply now, but to where you're the kind of the kind of field you're working in is quite a shift from what you studied, so like. Where did the kind of inclination to go down this um, the kind of inclusivity path start from? Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a good good question. It's kind of a long story, but I'm not going to tell the long. Do <laughs> no. I tell the long story? I'll try to keep the abridged version. <laughs> the slightly abridged version. Um, I think I think for me, just just I'm gonna try to be swift about this. Just going like back, back, back. I'm, I'm yeah. originally born in in the states, and then moved back here, but moved back there for a little yeah. bit from like five to ten, and just like had a had a really good schooling, um, in the states, and then I moved to to Croydon, um, mm-hmm. when I was like ten and in year six, and. I when we moved back to Croydon, I ended up going to the second worst school in Croydon um, at the time for high school. And what really kind of stuck out to me at the time, just as something that really I made a mental note of, is just like of the general. For example, they always like ranked us out of a hundred, and when you look at the list, it was like me my brother and my best friend like usually in the top 20 top 10 top 20 then you probably wouldn't see another black person for like 30 places okay um and you just it was just a bit like okay like what what's going on here like this is a bit this is a bit weird and then Mm. kind of when we when we um when we got our gcse's it's only me and my brother in the top 10 of of only black people in the top 10 and then it just there was just this massive gap thereafter yeah of 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 just just no black people and i just i always just kind of was like this just feels a little funny to me and i think for me it was just like we had the added benefit of doing our primary education abroad and not in the uk which was really interesting 
um, and seemed to be like a theme for in particular the kind of black kids who did well um, in their GCSEs that they hadn't done everything up and up until here and up until high school um, mm. and then I kind of left that on the back burner so it's ticking away in the background and you know as I went to sixth form there were just less black people um, or you know yeah mainly less black people because the Asians are out here they're always out here yeah. um, and then obviously like crash landing in Bath I think there were only of like 120 there was only like three black people on my course yeah and you're just yeah. like okay yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah you're just like what I was just about it's a bit techie still um you know and then in Bath you know there's not that many black people anyway um mm. and then I was sitting what was I in I was just in my course reps training. That's what it was. And at the time, they invited the NUS vice president to come down and talk to us about the black attainment gap. I was like, what's the black attainment gap? So I went along to the session and he was like, oh, yeah. Well, you know, and at the time, the stat was ridiculous. It was like, um, you know, black students had a 50% chance of leaving university with uh you know first or a two one and you're just like mm. you know yeah i mean to talk a flip of a coin of yeah, whether yeah, you do well or not yeah. just because of your skin color and and then, then just to put that in perspective like 80 percent of all um white students graduated university with a four a first or a two one mm. um and that was just crazy to me. But when he started diving into some of the reasons, I think it really just resonated with a lot of my own experience and what I had seen growing up and all the way to kind of like university, um, you know, whether it's kind of sense of belonging or just, you know, a lot of it's kind of overlapped with class. Um, yeah. Some of the class struggles as well that are just, quite closely linked to that as well it just all really resonated and I was like well I need to know more I've, I've got to do something about this and yeah. then so for me I was just like okay I'll run for education officer um at Bath I didn't get that but I got a, got a better job that I liked um <laughs> as their student engagement ambassador um for inclusion and yeah that's that's it my career just kind of really took off um from there and I've, I've never really looked back like it has just been so I think interesting to kind of work with staff and support them to yeah. really just think about like there are kids not kids sorry <laughs> adults because 18 years are adults adults you know in your classroom who aren't like you who come from different backgrounds who need different um levels of support and you know even when I when I was at Bath and I did that really big research project on the learning and teaching experiences of marginalized students it was just really interesting but also really really depressing like seeing how bad of a time particularly like our students of colour were, were having. I, I just remember writing a section of my report and just like crying my eyes out because it was just so 
it was just so sad um and yeah so like that always sit with me and you know it just kind of drives me to do what I do and you know make sure I am working with staff whatever university I work at to like give in particular kind of students of color the best shot to do the best that they can really so that's that's kind of that's kind of how I got here and I just kind of threw left kind of sports science there because I, I just felt like this was my my calling yeah the calling yeah <laughs> yeah nice yeah it's just it's a bit mad because like sometimes I guess because of the people I'm around um sometimes I don't really I don't really deep how like large the attainment gap is but um like yeah, what what kind of factors would you say were most significant then? Because on the face of it, it's like, well, all the students are in the same class, so they should all have similar attainment levels. But obviously, as you said, there's a, there's a clear discrepancy between different racial groups. What kind of things do you think is causing this mostly? Yeah, 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 really, like, really interesting. I think in the Bath context, you know, the attainment gap there was quite small. It was only 5%. But yeah. even speaking to that, having having done the research, and, you know, that, that was the conclusion I came to. It's really not about, in the Bath context, it's very much not about um, intelligence. But, you know, you know, there are real stories there of uh, just the sheer amount of, racism was like it was crazy I mean we had people being told like you know they I think they were doing a lesson on um, partition in India and and the student had been talking about it as an Indian from her perspective and like Mm. how bad Britain was because they were awful Um, and she had another student in the middle of class like why are you complaining so much? Like, if you hate us so much, why don't you just go back to your country? Or oh, wow. just, like, you know, students on, you know, um, just students being called the N-word to their face. Like, like brazy stuff like that. Yeah. Not, not, not one of them ones where people are singing along. Like, people are calling them at N-words to their face as an insult. Um those kind of you know those kind of again and I just remember saying in those interviews and just crying like with Mm. some of these students and just being like this is you know unacceptable I had a student you know literally she has she had a Nazi member someone who's who's a Nazi literally in in a um classroom wearing like the South African apartheid flag to lesson oh my gosh (laughs) you know no one had really kind of recognized uh that that was the case but yeah like this person was essentially you know they're literally a racist south african and they kind of it's just it was just kind of those stories and then also realizing you know for a lot of our students you know you know as you know a lot of a lot of people were the only black black student in their class you know I remember going to my brother's graduation and just you know he he was literally the only black person in a sea of 150 faces and you know that kind of pressure it puts on 
black students in particular to be a model minority to be representatives of their race to code switch to try and really fit in and be accepted and to try and belong in some way just so they can survive you know that experience and you know that is that is that takes a lot of energy you know that level Mm. of policing of yourself and doing kind of this double act um you know it is tiring it's exhausting and it's an extra layer of of stuff that other um people don't have to do and you know being isolated is not a nice is not a pleasant experience either sometimes if you can't do these things you know there were students who couldn't do that and you know well particularly like things like code switching or really culturally try and fit it just wasn't really possible Mm. or they were being excluded and in those cases like you know those students were having a hard time and they then didn't really end up showing up and they didn't want to come to class and you know we know if you don't show up your 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 you know your grades tend to suffer so um in that context you know in the bath context that those were like some of the key issues and in other places um similar things but it's more about you know, I work at a university where 66% of our students are Black, Asian and minority ethnic. Um, yeah. That shifts around a little bit depending on our kind of faculties, but it's not, not necessarily a case of fitting in, but it's like, okay, how do our staff, how do staff treat you? Um, you know, what are, what are our, you know, attitudes towards those students you know in in those places I've had staff literally outright say to me that they really think that black students are dumb or they think they fail because they do b-techs or whatever excuse under the sun that they have um (laughs) as to you know why you know black students you know they're not hard working or just kind of you know all all the all the all just all the stereotypes um Mm you can think of and, and just really don't end up treating them well and psychologically that impacts those students you know I remember calling one of my students one time that I was working with and we were just talking about how he was doing and I remember it was like you know I totally believe in you you're gonna do great just stay focused and you know like he just turned around to me and just went like tomorrow this is the first time anyone's telling me you know that I can do this and I'm just like that is such a shame that you are in mm. your third year of uni and not no teacher or no one has said that to you um and so there's not that really support or kind of love for students of color a lot of yeah. the time based on how staff view and like perceive um students and then other students are just shit Um, (laughs) they're a bit shit and to be honest actually like the students I found the students tend to be more racist sometimes than staff and you know those are the people you spend the most time with um and they really end up dictating those students experiences so you know again it varies and you know again having curriculum that isn't really designed for you as well um mm. 
it's just again it's just not helpful uh, you know the thing with learning is you know you learn best when you can you know relate your own experiences to whatever it is that you're learning and and things you understand to your learning and and that allows you to to learn better and, and be a bit more um successful in that and kind of right now I feel like you know there's not that much in in the curriculum content or kind of course design that really supports students of color in in, in my opinion but mm. yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I got a couple of questions around that. Um, the first one is okay. So you're talking about kind of the code switching and fitting in, which I think is quite significant. So is is there any kind of data to su- data to suggest that kind of black and minority ethnic students do better in unis where there's a high percentage of them compared to like unis where there are a low percentage or is it not as linear as that uh yes there is data uh on 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 it um and actually um black students who go to universities where there are more of them or wherever there are more students of color um they tend to do less well um And really, if you follow the rankings on the league table, um, it's just a bit indic- indicative of that, essentially. So yeah. um, as you go from one to uh, 100, the, the, um, you know, the amount of black students in the institution increases. So um, and those kind of universities with with the. Uh, those bigger proportions of Black, Asian, and minority ethnic students, they tend mm. to have bigger attainment gaps, and those students tend to be doing um, okay. a lot worse comparatively. So, you know, we're talking about Bath. There's a five percent gap. It, that's you know, that's still seventy-five percent of all, all Black students, for example, are getting a first or a two-one versus mm. at other institutions where they have some of them have had like 30% gaps um yeah. and th- at that point we're talking 60% versus 90%. So yeah, we we do have that evidence there that that which is kind of counterintuitive cuz mm. you would think it's the other way yeah. around but it's, yeah. it's not. What do you What do you think maybe being around more people like you makes you more complacent in a way or what do you think it is i I just don't think that's i don't think that's the case Mm. i don't think it's a thing of complacency i'm not really i'm i'm not really sure what that's about but if just thinking about just thinking looking at rankings wise like if if you're going take a London Met versus a Bath for context, yeah. like the average entry requirement for to get into Bath is a lot higher than it is for yeah. a London Metropolitan. So already when you've got black students at you know at Oxford at Cambridge or Bath, like you're literally just picking the smartest and the best and the brightest black students. Yeah, from the whole whole the whole black cohort, 
London Met is a bit more open. So they're going to get really the full spectrum of students. And those are loads, you know, you know, that's that's a load of different needs that have to be dealt with versus at kind of those top tier institutions and also students at those top tier institutions are most are really likely to be getting really great bursaries so you know I was shocked because my bursary was really good when I went to Bath and I was really shocked when I went to Hertfordshire for example and you know their widening participation students only get 800 pounds a year versus for example my 3,000 pounds a year um and so then kind of the, the class element, p- particularly for black West working class students, gets, gets really exacerbated. Mm. Um, so at those institutions, then you, you kind of start seeing, you know, those students are, have a lot more barriers. Um, and there's a bit of a, there's a lot, lot, a bit more work to do, not all the time. But in, in that case, there's just a larger range of learning needs, whereas kind of the Baths and the Oxfords and, you know, get to cherry pick their, their yeah. students. Um, and so those students are going to do well anyway, regardless, if that makes sense. Okay. You know, so, yeah, the distribution doesn't really help. But, um, yeah, that's that's kind of, I think, what's really happening there more so than there's a sense of complacency um or anything so i think more of those kind of all the inequalities at high school and sixth form tend to carry into the other unis versus Mm. being carried into kind of more the top tier institutions okay okay um yeah that makes sense um i was gonna ask as well is there like yeah is, is there is there a variance in attainment gap for different faculties like engineering compared to like arts and humanities or is it kind of the same across the board um yes it can differ it it really like the um it it depends really um it, it really it just really depends you can even get it down to the course level um mm-hmm. i'm just trying to think in my uni the biggest attainment gaps tend to be in our health sciences um mm-hmm. and that's a bit it's a bit complex because with our health sciences um it tends to be the case like which is not the case for everyone like like take nursing as a course um you know to qualify as a nurse you just need to pass your degree um and so actually a lot of students really just focus on passing their degree yeah. rather than aiming for a first or a two one because once you're a qualified nurse, you're a qualified nurse. Yeah. Kiss. Um and so that makes it quite challenging in that case. So we do find low attainment and this is kind of a sector issue in general with like nursing degrees, but then you, you find really huge attainment gaps. Um across the board so that subject discipline really exacerbates um uh kind of exacerbates what's going on or their attainment gap and then kind of everywhere else it's just hit and miss really it's 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 just Mm. kind of about those students experiences on the course and you know how 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 they feel like they belong on the course if i'm business business schools tend to also have quite big gaps 
Um, not really particularly sure why um, that is the case, but that tends to be quite a trend that business schools do sometimes have quite big um, gaps. But other than that, there's no really clear kind of trends across across kind of faculties or subject disciplines per se in terms of we know in kind of these subject areas that black students will kind of particularly struggle if that makes sense okay um i guess so within your role do you mostly work um, but with within the team within university level or like at levels of like GCSE and A level as well. No, just just uh, just university. So okay, that's where we're focused. Um, but a lot of universities do do work not solving attainment, but really kind of supporting students of color or running special programs to, um, in a way which will in effect affect their outcomes and hopefully kind of shut down the attainment gap yeah a little bit so universities do a little work it's not really direct in terms of working with staff in in um in in schools a lot of research is done yeah but in terms of kind of university outreach and widening participation not that much and and i don't do that in my role i would like to um hopefully in the future going forward but we'll see Mm-hmm. Um, and would you say you like work of? Would you say you mostly work with like lecturers, lecturers directly, or like other parties involved in the uni? Yeah, we work with everyone, to be honest. Um, and I guess we say we mostly work with lecturers because there's more of them versus kind of other areas. Um, in the university but we've worked with like the library we've worked with Mm. um, we we work yeah we've worked with our technology enhanced learning team we yeah we work kind of with anyone who asks kind of for our help you know my students have for example designed maps to help um, students kind of who are disabled, particularly with physical physical disabilities, know where kind of all the elevators and ramps are. So they they kind of do a lot of things. And so who are the people? Can't remember what the people who looked after the buildings are called. But uh, anyone who kind of needs help, we can help them. So yeah, across the whole university, basically. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um... I'm trying to think. What I was gonna ask. I forgot. That's right. uh, <laughs> I might have to cut this bit of period of silence out of the, the final audio. That's right. <laughs> just, just that's it. That's what editing is for. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, it's good. I can have a drink of wine. Um. Yes, yeah, so you, you you worked at Hearts Uni, mm-hmm. and then you worked at Kingston. Kind of, did you see any kind of stark differences between the two? No, I think because they're kind of the same. They're a bit similar. Um, in 
yeah, they're quite they they're quite similar in makeup and demographic. I think when I made my transition from Bath to Hertfordshire, that was yeah. that was like whoa <laughs> that mm. was like whoa i think after spending five years in bath you know i just forgot like st- like people of color exist like do you know what i mean like we really exist out here um yeah i think that was quite a nice change like seeing people in tracksuits and do-rags and <laughs> you know just like dressed to the nines to come to to university and um I'd, yeah, and enjoyed like the color and just seeing having um, staff of color as well. Seeing a lot of staff of color because I didn't really, never really saw. I don't think I ever saw another black black member of staff hmm. when I was at Bath. Yeah, who yeah, didn't really work in the SU. I'm just I'm trying to think, and I just I cannot think about any time I've come across another black member of staff if it was it probably was in my first year and she left um but yeah so that was that was really kind of different and then I think more interestingly is just kind of the general approach into like learning um for for some of the like for the students there like you know I I was so baffled, you know, when, you know, I had students who just, like, hadn't submitted to, like, anything for, <laughs> you know, for five of their modules, and and, <laughs> and you don't be like, ah, oh, so-and-so, like, you know you haven't handed in anything, and they're like, yeah, yeah, miss, I know, but I can just sit in the summer, and I'm like, that's not how it works, like, is it? Is it was something going on and they're like, No, I just didn't like this module, I didn't like the maths. So I thought I'd give myself more time. And I'm like what? Like you know, it's just like the really, nice <laughs> yeah, really just like blase, just really different <laughs> attitudes to towards like kind of university I think was quite like stark you know you did have the people who wanted to be there but you know I just think coming from a place like Bath where you know I think all students are there and they're there to to do something was very different to meeting like the whole spectrum of students and some are there to really just be there yeah and that's it um so that was really quite interesting and showing kind of what a more like balanced university um, looks like. And I think also just seeing like the genuine hardship as well that some of my students, like the, the students at um, Hertfordshire were like going through, particularly kind of over the pandemic. Um, just, yeah, it was, it was that, that was it, was, it was just really a stark contrast of, mm. you know, you know that of different the, the completely different lives and people and university makeup when I when I moved university um well I was grateful because I felt like I could make more impact there than I could of if I was was kind of at Bath and and Bath Bath almost there's just t- how it taken its toll on me so I, I was just really happy to be uh in, in a in a space in, in a yeah in a space that I felt more like home um mm-hmm. 
I felt more familiar and just I had people who looked like me and yeah I felt like I was I was needed and you know my work was appreciated and uh yeah yeah so just really different really different yeah yeah no it make, makes sense makes sense um yeah no, <laughs> I didn't realize it was that it was that mad though people like literally not putting in five different assignments it, man, you don't un- like honestly you don't understand and it's not like it's one student like I one of my jobs was to call up every student who hadn't submitted some of them had <laughs> real like some of them were like had real issues but some of them yeah just I was just like you know you're paying nine thousand pounds a year or you know even at you know um, my institution now we st- you got like people playing poker in the middle of class or, like <laughs> fighting their teachers and I'm like oh my gosh oh just wanting to talk for the whole lesson I'm like guy like it's it's really so where where again like where you might not have those behavioral issues that you'll see at Bath like you might get them in a in a place like Kingston, not to generalise everything, yeah. but you know, those are some of the differences and yeah, it was just it was a bit mad for me because I'm just like I, I just didn't expect it, you know what I mean? From mm. from my experiences and, you know, my friends' experiences, it just wasn't something I thought would be a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's um so yeah i think you said earlier you're managing like you said you're managing like different how many consultants well yeah 18 18, 18. yeah how is it easy get even getting everyone on board with the um kind of same line of thinking um yeah i guess well i guess so i think the thing about my program is like most of our students who apply to be on the program, you know, I mean, they're 80% black, Asian and minority ethnic. Um, and and when I, that majority was really black last year. So yeah. really black. Um, and, you know, even if they're white, they were kind of working class or they were disabled or uh, first in family to go to university. Um, yeah. And so really brought, kind of that lived experience and then really cared about kind of diversity and inclusion from their particular perspective um and so it's not really hard to get to get those people on board it was just really about when they come in the program they have about two months of training that we we, well I put them through keep saying yeah. but it's just me um, <laughs> that I put them through just around kind of learning about attainment gap issues learning about kind of student engagement um, basic learning and teaching principles we think a little bit about kind of decolonizing um, touch on loads of just different topics really and just make sure they kind of have the, have the knowledge that they need to kind of do their job because very much like I really hire for passion rather than skill set because um, mm. my, my feeling is you can always teach people the skills but you can't really like make someone care about inclusion yeah. um, so we try and hire a team of people who 
already do care about it so you're not really struggling to align the thinking it's just kind of upskilling everyone in different lived experiences and you know as they move through that two months training period they get to kind of talk to their colleagues and kind of learn about new perspectives um from the people we have in the room so you know if they didn't know anything about disability before they know a little bit about disability by the end um you know, so all the, all the different range. And, and so that's mm. kind of, so I feel like that part is kind of okay for me and not having to do too much work to with the students. It's just the staff who are, <laughs> who are the challenge. <laughs> um, yeah, well, yeah, that's interesting as well. Then yeah, yes. kind of how, how do the staff take to, kind of the program you're putting them through i guess i guess there's kind of push for diversity and inclusion is kind of relatively new mm-hmm. yeah so i think from well the first really like movement on like it's always existed but the big yeah. big movement started in 2012 yeah um and then it was really around that 20 when did i graduate about the 2016 mark where we started having like a real policy um, in the area that kind of universities and, and staff and student, student activism as well really just kind of kicked off. But really having that policy as well um, that the government kind of put, put out to say like, you know, this attainment gap thing is an issue. And if you don't look like you're going to solve it, you can't charge nine thousand pounds that was enough to really just kind of get the ball rolling um Mm. on on the issue um because before then a lot of universities just didn't want to do nothing um so that was kind of like a kickstarter but then kind of on the ground it is a real it's either you get the people who really want to do the work and it's great and you love them and they're really doing everything they can. And then you just get the people who they're, they're racist or some other kind of ism, whatever ism they want to collect. Um, and really trying to shift their mindset is a real challenge. And I think that's really one of the challenging parts of my role is like, how do I take these people from this place of like they hate what you know this woke agenda that you're trying to push on them yeah (laughs) um, to to have to do it because they kind of have to do it because they don't really have a choice but Mm. they'll happily kind of you know be racist or like throw microaggressions at you or you know just be really difficult about the entire process and it's like how do I work with you to like not make this about you and show you like why it is worth kind of making these changes because I think a lot of the time they see it as work and extra work that is just really difficult for them to do mm-hmm. um and so they kind of see you as an enemy of and, and adding to their workload and for me it's just always a thing of you know if you claim to be you know for some people not, it doesn't apply in all subject areas but for most you know if you claim to be an expert in your subject area then why aren't you looking at research from the global south or why haven't you included other perspectives and why are you just focusing um 
through this one lens or in your teaching you claim to want to be a good teacher but why are you only trying to teach for one type of um yeah. student so yeah it's really trying to trying to get that through to them and you know dealing dealing with their emotions you know as, as much as you know as yeah they just staff do have a lot of emotions and it's really just difficult for them um to have to deal with this project like not project to deal with these issues i think black lives matter really really helped like really really helped um and i hate and i hate that it took like black lives matter you know and all this black death for people to be like oh okay like racism is a thing and this Mm. is something we should care about now um to kind of want to start to do anything but i guess you've got to like take any victory or movement as it comes Mm. um so that really helped getting people to kind of understand and care and there was just so much particularly in higher education there's so many lectures and uh, talks and seminars and uh stuff going on throughout the kind of last year and a half to really help staff explore and kind of unpack all of these issues um so that's quite been quite helpful I think because I moved to Kingston as well I think they were quite ahead in 2016 you know they really pushed the agenda and and carried the baton in those early years so it's been nice to come into an institution that's kind of with the program already um Mm and not have too much struggle like everyone's kind of here to do they're happy to kind of do the work and it's not as hard as like doing the same kind of work in a place like Bath because then you get the things of like well I have no black people here so well I only have one black student like so why should I care about this or why is this important or Mm. I'm a scientist and blah 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 um so so that's been quite nice coming to an institution that's kind of you know with it and it's you know it's not without faults but it's a it's a kind of completely different space that staff are in yeah yeah that that, that thing you said about the scientists at the end is quite interesting yeah i've always thought like yeah something like history um which is quite culture-based and you know you're telling her that um mm. like yeah i guess it'd be more of a push to be inclusive in that because you know you kind of you you need to cover like atrocities and things like that mm. accurately but i guess something like science or maths like i guess because it's not really as racially based mm. i don't know i just feel like there wouldn't be as much of a push um to be inclusive in that kind of faculty because I guess they wouldn't see the need for it. Yeah, and I think that's been like the logics for a little bit. And but it's interesting though. I find I find working with my science colleagues a lot easier than working with my social sciences colleagues. Um and even though like with your science colleagues, you know, it's that thing of you, know, you it is on first like look a bit difficult to be like, oh how do I like diversify this or, you know, maths is maths do you know what i mean that yeah i'm yeah. not gonna argue with anyone but the thing is it's like either you kind of take the history you've got the history 
of, for example, something like maths or, you know, even thinking about um, what have we done? We've been working with pharmacy, for example. So, mm-hmm. you know, actually the context of drugs and drug use and who has access to what can all be really interesting. Or, for yeah. example, you know, if we're talking about the, the uh, birth control pill, learning about the history of that pill and the context and, you know, how that was originally trialed in, I can't remember which South American country and, and left a load of women infertile. Um, mm-hmm. And we don't really talk about that kind of history. Um, or, you know, if Tuskegee, like the, all these things, great yeah. examples of, you know, um, scientific kind of racism and so even if it's not specifically about the chemicals in the drug like everything we do is always situated in a context um so sometimes it's how do we look at that context and also when you know your students go out to work how do they take what they know and computer science is a really good example of like just amazing example of you know what you learn can go out and really impact you know people's lives the fact yeah. that you as a black person well sensors for example cannot always see detect you, you your hands because you know no one designed anything in mind for you know black hands yeah. all of these things so it's like actually you know how you design and who you design for then become really important and thinking mm. of actually when I'm designing things, what EDI issues do I need to kind of be aware of so I can design for the most amount of people? So when when we think about kind of science, you can think about how you then apply that science or you, you talk about the, the kind of context, um, you know, kind of of that. And, and you know, that's that's a really interesting way to, to touch some of these issues, but also kind of relate it to people's lived experience and really help them to kind of reflect on how these things kind of impact or have in, interacted with their lives. So it's really not impossible, but it just takes a lot of um, thinking to, to kind of get to where you need to go to kind of talk about these issues. But they're real issues and they have real you know, impact, like I said, you know, with my course, it's like, actually, you know, if I hadn't really re- gone back and reflected, I would think, actually, the only way, if I'm going to do, a, you know, a trial, uh, a randomised control trial in sports science, then I'm probably just going to want to only use men. And I would have thought that would be okay when it's yeah. when it's not. Um, so, yeah, that's that's for me, like, that's how I think about the sciences and I think a lot of the science people have been a bit not resistant but just very unclear about how mm. how you think about science and and I don't really know what's going on with my social science folks but <laughs> they just I think they just provide such a challenge because they think they're already inclusive yeah okay yeah and that's the challenge and so they kind of find it offensive if you think that if they think that you're I can't even say what I'm trying to say if you're telling them that they aren't being inclusive Mm. um and so I've you know I've I've found that interesting it's been really hard to go and sit down with a team who teach education and be like actually well I don't think your course is that (laughs) inclusive when you've got people with whole PhDs 
in you know education and yeah. learning and teaching that's a tough conversation <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> Different. Who who used to tell me to change my curriculum? But that's it. They're yeah. looking at me like, "Who are you, fam? You, <laughs> you know, them times there. It's like you have a degree in sports science, and you're about twenty one, and you're trying to tell me <laughs> what what I need to do. Um, you know, so it, it does get really hard because you know they in that head like, "Oh, I'm I'm the expert," but it's mm. like are you the expert in this particular experience or, you know, particularly kind of from an age perspective, you know, if we're talking about assessments, these people love like writing 5,000 word essays. And I'm like, why does that have you, like, why have you, why is that? Like, why, why do we need to be doing that in this day and age? You know, is that really, is that really what our students are going to be doing? You know, it's it's a good skill to have, but is there any way, other way they can show critical thinking that would be really authentic to the actual work they're going to do so sometimes it's really not always about kind of their content but it might be about their assessment or sometimes it's just like you as a person are a bit shit and a bit racist yeah about how you think about your students and that's what needs to change so yeah just yeah yeah it gets a bit difficult (laughs) Yeah, no, with, with the computer science example you gave, that's actually made things quite clear, to be honest. Mm. Um, well, we've just gone past an hour. Um, I've been talking bits, I'm so sorry. No, it's calm. Yeah, I think I, w- I kind of want to close up on one final mm-hmm. bit then. I guess making more friends recently, like, um, I guess I've, I've come across a lot more neurodivergent individuals. Mm. I was just kind of wondering that how their uni experience is for them and like how like what's being done to kind of make it easy for them it's really not my specialist area but um i think that's not a it's not an easy experience um de- depending on kind of what what um what kind of what type what type well what condition you have essentially okay um yeah. so and also kind of your ability to, so they, they don't use code switching, but they use masking to kind of talk about the code switching that they do um, as, as people kind of with, with disabilities. Universities aren't really kind of set up always to cater to those students' needs, even if they do disclose them. So, you know, if you do have a disability and you come to uni with that and you declare that there is a ton of support from the government and the the university who by law have to kind of write you a um write you a plan essentially of the things that the university should be doing or your lecturers should be doing for example so whether that's recording lectures um giving you extra time on tests all of those things Mm -hmm. um there's a lot of help kind of there but again even though it's a legal requirement you know I've had to argue with staff that about recording their lectures they're like well I'm not going to do it because it's against my intellectual property rights but I'm like oh my gosh (laughs) I'm like this is a legal requirement we can really get fined for so you need to do this um and so that's that's been quite difficult so sometimes those students needs can kind of often be ignored and 
you know, sitting down for two hours in the way that we've sat down for two hours. I mean, that's barely geared up for anyone, but, yeah. you know, for people with specific types of conditions, that is really, really not helpful. Um, and some members of staff, you know, can be nice about it. So, for example, um, I know a student who has ADHD and his lecturer allows him to kind of just walk up and down in lessons or during his lectures yeah. to help himself regulate and just kind of doesn't really say anything about it. He just lets him do it. And that's mm. that's really it. Um, however, some lecturers, you know, wouldn't allow you to do that or, you know, if you did that, they just think you were kind of disrupting their lesson. So, you know, I feel like it can be really hit and miss and, and particularly thinking about black neurodivergent students, you know, they often don't disclose. And so I think it does make it just so much harder to kind of receive the level of support that is available. So my little brother, he, he has autism um, mm-hmm. and he's had such a great time at uni because of the support he's been able to access, kind of yeah. the mentoring, um, being able to kind of get his um all his like his laptop and just kind of all the resources he needs for you need to help him kind of be successful um and he's graduating on Tuesday and I'm I'm so excited um so it's been a big achievement so I think the support is there but I think often like most black neurodivergent people tend to be get diagnosed kind of a little bit later in yeah um rather than in uni so it really it really stifles them and I think also the thing of when you are black and neurodivergent people tend to see for example if you're a black boy um and you have ADHD most people will just see that as you having bad behavior or Mm. you being disruptive rather than actually let's take a look at this you know he he might be neurodivergent. Oh, yeah, yeah. What support yeah. can 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 we give to him? And you know that's you know so so in that way again, like black people can really end up being doubly punished um, when you kind of have these conditions and you you don't really know or no one's really trying to identify these conditions in you. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's there, but again, just really really difficult to access. And if you're not diagnosed really it just makes it really tougher a lot tougher so that's kind of what i know and my kind of opinion okay yeah um no, i think i think we've, we've covered a lot to be honest i think so um, too. <laughs> yeah i think i think yeah, we'll kind of close out on that then um fantastic <laughs> How can how can um, any of the fans reach out to you? What's what's the socials? What's my socials? Um, yeah. I feel like you can find me on Instagram or at tomorrow.s.read. Um, that's R E I D, and then on uh, Twitter you can find me at tea time edu. Um, I'm not giving out my personal tour because yeah, I like yeah. I like that to be low key. Um, but, but yeah, I, if you... I, I, was, I was gonna tag that one in the post. I want to put up as that. No, I can't put that one in. There. <laughs> I like to be able to chat shit in peace. Yeah. 
honestly, yeah. Sometimes I read the tweets on your personal Twitter, I'm like, these are so starkly different. Yeah, <laughs> so the, the tweets exactly. Exactly, because my work colleagues will come and be like, so tomorrow I saw you posted it, and I and I can't believe you said that. I, and, I'm just, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm trying not to hear it. I'm not, just, please, I'm no one's role model, so I just want to... <laughs> But yeah, people can contact me on my Instagram or my my uh, my 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 professional Twitter. Right, Tamara, it's been wonderful having you on Demagic Talks. Well, thank um, you for having me. No, it's all right, man. It's all right. It was overdue. <laughs> Long overdue. Okay. No, it's been good. It's been good. You put me through my paces. I feel like <laughs> I was trying to like think about so many things that I haven't hadn't thought about in time. No, I saw half the questions I thought of on the fly, man. Like it was, I don't even know how I did it, man. I don't even know how. But you're a sick guy, a sick host. We love it. Now, what's funny is the answers you gave kind of made it easier to segue through different topics in it. So. Okay. Um, all right, good, good, right. good. Yeah, I'll, I'll leave you to watch Love Island. Yes, yeah, um, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you enjoy it too. <laughs> I'm ready, one week to get, is it one week? Is this the last week? Yeah, I, I think, yeah, I think it's coming up to a close, yeah. Listen, I'm ready, I can see you and David to win, this is... Oh, why are you disagreeing? Uh, why am I hearing that? Uh, actually, yeah, actually, yeah, I'll, I'll go with them. Yeah, no, I, who were you going with before? Who are you? Nah, going? I, was, I was gonna say Damiyar, but I'm tired of them, man. <laughs> Listen, I just think, I just think Dami gets away with too much. He like, does, he does, he does. <laughs> oh my god! And I'm just like India. You're supposed—I don't know if she's from South. I just assume everyone's from <laughs> South, yeah. But I'm mean, like, you're supposed to be a real South London girl, and this is what you're letting this man get away with, telling a whole other woman to shut up in your presence. And <laughs> and he brought a girl back from Casa and is now lying in your face. And then at movie night, you're seeing him do a freeway kiss and do X, Y, and Z. And we're still just City Girls down a thousand points, bro. She's whipped. A thousand points, man. I She's was like wrong like T Pain. <laughs> I was like, you're even supposed to be Jamaican, man. Nah, she let you look down, man. Down, down. The team are bad down, but I get it. Love is love. Now nah, but the the can see supremacy. You know like the you know like the barbs of Love Island, man. Listen, nah, you know I'm terrible. She can't do any wrong. I can see. She said, "I'm I can see, babe. There's only one of me. Are you dumb? The queen, the mother, nah, the baddest in the villa. Hands down. Hands. Anytime you see any weird behavior, you lot do deny, deny, deny. Listen, I'll call out I can see on her bad behavior." Because she takes the piss sometimes. She's bad. Mm-hmm. But she has carried this season of Love Island, yeah. No, she has, she has, she has, she has. <laughs> Without her, it would have just, uh, you know, you know, her, that, her and Davide have really carried this season. I don't mm. know. Without them, there would just some of the most hilarious and dramatic moments wouldn't exist. So, you know, uh, and I don't see any other couple. I don't want Paige to win. I'm finding her so annoying. <laughs> Gemma and Luca, I don't quite understand why that is still a thing, but 
we move. Luke is trying to get the bag. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, well, yeah, that's it. Uh, but I'm still like Gemma. How can you not see this, bro? And he's so controlling, like. Yeah, he is. He is. I so controlling. That, that that's why I tweeted last time. I just feel like after contestants are just mm. not good people. <laughs> They're not. They're not. Uh, a week ago, was it a week or two ago? I was just like, get everybody out the villa. Fam. I yeah. don't want to wait for no one. It was after movie night. I was just like, get everyone out the villa. <laughs> get Tasha and Andrew out the villa. I don't want to see them. Uh, I, they're, they're like in. They're the industry plants of the season, man. And How? I think they're gonna get. They're, they're gonna get carried all the way to the end. <laughs> how are they still here? That actually, <laughs> how man? I've had enough, Tasha. Tasha, I was just like, you need to stop crying. You know why you're in the bottom three, fam. We've actually <laughs> been seeing your head spin left, right and centre every single week. Every week for every man who's come in the villa. <laughs> nah, big, big up Andrew, though. He's, he's a he's a lover boy in that. Come on. <laughs> nah, the lover boy is out here having him looking like an idiot, fam. <laughs> Uh, no, I'm very, you know, as 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 a feminist, I try not to like call men wet wipes, yeah, because I'm like, <laughs> <sighs> but as, as as the UK, as we say in the UK, man's man's getting take of our mug, you know, it's it's all right when you look like a mug in private, but a mug on national TV, that's the ghetto. That. But... Is, Never, never me. I'm trying to. I'm listen. I'm gonna try and convince one of our friends to go on Love Island. That's my mission. That's my mission. How? No, you can't do that. Come on, come on. You telling me you won't want to see someone we know on Love Island? Um, let me think of our mutuals. I'm trying to think who would be good on Love Island from my mutuals. I don't know, but I'm sure someone would be great. There's too many yeah. good personalities, but I, I don't want to start blasting names on the podcast. I'm not blast names, but I'm telling you, there's someone who can do it. I'll find them and convince them to go on Love Island. Fam. You, 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 you just want to be the account handler, really. That's exactly what I want to be. Being the account handler, that would be so much fun. And then be like, no one send me death threats when someone makes a crazy decision, fam. But it would be fun. That'd be fun, mm. you know. Sometimes I think going on Love, I would love to go on Love Island, but just to like just see it in live live action. Do you know what I mean? Mm, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. But never knew him. But anyway, let me let me let you go and carry on with you on that. But yeah, but, thanks yeah. again. It's been good. No worries. How are you? Are you good though? Before I jump off, how are you? Um, up and down, isn't it? Up and down. Okay. Peaks and troughs. All right. Listen, as long as it's it's up and down and just not down, that's we'll, we'll, we'll chat off air in it. We'll chat off air. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Have a good night. You too. <laughs> right. <laughs>